It's time for a Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean, with you every week at this time, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, and books. This week's program is part one of a series on the origins of Sant Mat, the path of the masters, the masters of the East, the masters of India. It's also based on a new ebook I have, an article published by Sach Khan Journal, the Journal of Radha Swami Studies. So it's very much on the academic side, but I've never held anything back over the years from my listeners and have always appreciated any program that just uh, dives in, doesn't dance around the edges of something or waters things down or remain shallow, which is so often the case in the world of broadcasting and television. So I would rather be accused of being esoteric and in-depth than be accused of being shallow and skirting around the edges of a subject. On the program today, I endeavor to explore the origins of the saints of India, the saints or masters. Saints is a term that can be translated as saints in English, Hindi, or Spanish, actually. Saints or sages or saints, the path of the masters. Spiritual Awakening Radio explores the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, and other books that matter, East and West, near-death experiences, ahimsa values of nonviolence in thought, word, and deed, including in the area of diet, as in vegetarian or vegan diet, education for a more peaceful world. Freedom of the airwaves. It's unhealthy in a democracy for the media, including radio, to be dominated by one or two religious voices as if they are the only ones that exist and no other faith community or point of view matters. If the religion spirituality section of a bookstore was like the radio airwaves are in most places, only one or two books would be found on the shelves. The shelves would be mostly bare, covered in dust. No longer being content with the empty silence, I began recording my own program. My mission statement, there's not just one religion, there are thousands. After years of being concerned that too few voices, too few points of view were getting heard when it comes to spiritual paths and world religions, that the radio airwaves were not reflecting the diversity that really exists, I started producing my own programs, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, meditation, mysticism, and books, bringing to the airwaves the gentle voices of saints, the wisdom of masters or mystics, world scriptures, sacred texts, the great spiritual traditions and classics of the East and the West. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. You can visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com, where you'll see many buttons like the buttons of a phone, buttons that will take you to my blogger blog, my WordPress blog, or T for Tumblr, another T for Twitter, a donate button. I have a link to healthylife.net. There's a healthylife.net button that goes to the podcasts on demand page. There are tabs that go to articles, current broadcast schedule, and my e-library of online free books you can read and other documents. This week's program 
is, as I mentioned, part one of an ongoing series exploring the masters of the East, the Sants of India. On the usage of the term Mat and the Tulsi Sahib connection, very much like Buddhism or Sufism are terms used by many to refer to any number of organizations or spiritual paths, Santmat is a very is a is a very uh, widely used general term for a kind of Eastern spirituality, Gnosticism or mysticism, S A N T M A T. Even as there are hundreds of Sufi orders and diverse forms of Hinduism, there are millions of people in satsangs, thousands of ashrams, and scores of teachers or organizations in and outside of India that describe themselves with the label Santmat. Santmat can be defined as the teachings or mat of the saints or sants or sages or path of the masters the masters of the East, the masters of India, the Sant Satgurus. In India, it's common knowledge that the term Santmat, the uh, term Santmat was coined or adapted by Param Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras during the 19th century. Santmat was adopted and popularized by Tulsi Sahib as a new name for this spiritual path or particular genre of mysticism, but the Sant tradition, with its many guru lineages and branches, is a spiritual movement that actually dates back many, many centuries, all the way to ancient India. Sants of antiquity, long before the time of Kabir. It's unknown who the first Sant was during ancient times. There are references in Krishna Vaishnava texts to Sants. A few of the Rishi sages who authored certain Upanishads pertaining to the formless God, or Narguna Bhakti, inner light and sound meditation, known also as Nada or Shabda Yoga, some dating back many centuries BCE, also seem to be at the same level as Sants. In somewhat more recent times, in some circles associated with the Tulsi Sabis, the devotees of Tulsi Sahib, Goraknath, a 11th century Nath yogi is considered to be a sant. Baba Garaknath, as he's known, as he is referred to as, did indeed teach Surat Shabd Yoga and seemed to be very similar to uh, Kabir in many ways. The Kabir Panth tradition of northern sants includes much Nath or not yogi terminology and apparently was somewhat influenced by the Nath tradition. The 15th century poet, mystic, and spiritual master Kabir can be credited with helping to expand greatly the influence of the Sants in India, but Kabir was definitely not the first Sant, and it's really unknown who his guru was. He said that he had a guru, and he probably did, as most in India who in the spiritual traditions have had you know, masters. Some traditions describe Baba Ramananda as the guru of Kabir, but not everyone agrees with this view. Indian history, just as an aside, Indian history is so complicated. You've got different factions with with, uh, different uh, ideas about even basic things. There's little agreement on basic things sometimes, like the birth dates and death dates of famous people. You've got different factions saying different things. It's a very complicated history that uh, is based on who you talk to. 
Some say Ramananda was the guru of Kabir, and there is a very charming story about that, that Kabir was uh, wanting to become initiated by Ramananda, but he was of Muslim background, and Ramananda was Hindu, and so never the twain shall meet. A, a Hindu teacher does not have a Muslim student. And so what Kabir did, is it's a charming story, whether it has anything to do with history as a literal true history or not, uh, that's up for grabs, up for debate. But the story goes, uh, Kabir, one morning, uh, knowing where Ramananda goes to meditate every morning, uh, was waiting for him. He, he, lied, he laid down on the uh, steps, and he knew that Ramananda was about to, to come down those steps. And sure enough, uh, he did. And the young boy, uh, Kabir, was there. And Ramananda accidentally stepped on him as he was walking down those steps on his uh, way to his place of meditation. And Ramananda, very surprised uh, to step on Kabir, said, Ram, Ram, kind of exclamation of surprise and shock, or like, my God, my God, oh my God. And so Kabir stood up and said, thank you, Master, for initiating me making me your student, giving me the holy name Ram. Hey, that's a, ver a very beautiful story, a very charming story. I don't know if it's actually true. Indian history is very complex with different schools of thought, even debating things like how long someone lived, what their birth date was, what their death date was, and who their guru was. The first masters formerly known as Sants in India are usually mentioned in Sant literature, uh, as being the earliest saints are long before the time of Kabir. In the 12th century, the poet Jayadeva, author of the Gita Govinda, and Vishobha Keshar, who was Sant Namdev's spiritual master, those are typically the earliest people in India identified with the term saint that uh, most people mention. But uh, there are ancient saints, too, that f a few people know about. Uh, seeing references in Krishna Vaishnava Hindu scriptures, Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, the famous saint, the 19th century saint of Hathras, was of the opinion that the saint movement dates back to the time of Krishna thousands of years ago, that Krishna knew of saints during his day, during the day of the Bhagavad Gita. An example of saints mentioned in an old Hindu scripture called the Bhagavad Purana, not to be confused with the Bhagavad Gita. It's called the Bhagavad Purana, and it's quoted in a new book by Swami Vyasanand called The Inward Journey of the Soul. This is a paragraph from Vyasanand's new book where he quotes from this Hindu scripture known as the Bhagavad Purana. Such individuals who have achieved the unity of Atman, or soul, and Param Atman, supreme soul, or God, are known as saints. According to the Bhagavad Purana, there is no one greater than a saint in the eyes of the divine. Lord Krishna says to his disciple, quote, All devotees like you are very dear to me. They are dearer to me than Lord Brahma, dearer to me than goddess, than, than goddess Lakshmi and even my own soul. Therefore I walk behind these saints, hoping that the dust arising from their holy feet would touch my body and purify me. Unquote. A Hindu scripture called the Bhagavad Purana, mentioning saints, 
during the time of Krishna, quoted by Swami Vyasanand of the Tulsi Sahib Maharishi Mehi lineage of Santmat, in his new Kindle ebook called The Inward Journey of the Soul. That's available through Amazon Kindle as an ebook. And as I understand it, I have no experience with this personally, but as I understand it, there is also an app that one can download that will allow one access to Kindle ebooks, even if you don't have a Amazon device. You can still access the ebooks. Jan Gopal, disciple of Sant Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan, once said, There is no end to the number of Sants who have appeared in the great epochs of time, the Yugas of Sat, Trita, Davpar, and Kali Yuga. I sing of the celebrated one I have heard of, here he is referring to Dadu Dayal, his, master, his spiritual master, and bow my head to all the others. Jan Gopal, disciple of Sant Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan, in his life story of Dadu Dayal, which has been translated into English. So here Jan Gopal is saying that in Indian history, Sants go back not only to the time of Krishna, but to previous yugas of time, millions of years ago. Sat Yuga, Treta Yuga, these vast uh, epochs of time. In Hinduism, there is a cyclical view of creation uh, that goes back zillions of years, and there are these four yugas, the great wheels of time that are turning round and round and round. So here, John Gopal is saying that saints or saints or these special uh, sages have been with us uh, through all of history and way before known history in these almost mythical yugas of past epochs, vast epochs of the past. Of course, mere references to saints in antiquity doesn't really shed light on the specifics of their teachings and meditation practices, what they might have been, though it can be said that all of the elements of the Sant tradition, all of the teachings and meditation practices, are to be found in older Hindu scriptures. And below, uh, we'll get to this, eventually we'll get to this, uh, in the section Vedic Dharma versus Sant Dharma, there is a link I have to the research of Maharishi Mehi Parmhans. He has a book called Satsang Yoga, Volume 1, where he quotes all of these ancient texts, Hindu scriptures, not only Upanishads and Hatha Yoga Pradipika and Nad Bindu Upanishad, but many others as well. There are actually over 108 Upanishads. When you go to a bookstore, typically you'll see a book called The Upanishads, and it's really referring to the 11 or 12 major Upanishads, the most popular Upanishads. But and this is always a great uh, principle of uh, spiritual seeking, there's always more. And indeed, there are many other Upanishads. Just like there are more than four Gospels, there are hundreds of Gospels and Gnostic Gospels. Well, guess what? There are many Upanishads. There are many more Upanishads than the 11 or 12 major Upanishads. There are 30 minor Upanishads, Yoga Upanishads, and many other Upanishads that comprise the 108 Upanishads. And I have heard of some archaeological discoveries that describe 
other Upanishads that have been found and that in the past, perhaps now lost to history, there may be yet more Upanishads. These are ancient Hindu scriptures written by Rishi sages long ago, over a, a period of many centuries, B.C. through the A.D. period. And so there are many Hindu scriptures. And Maharishi Mehi of the Sant tradition said that uh, all of the teachings of the Sant tradition are present there. The formless God, inner light and sound, meditation, all of the, the teachings are to be found within these ancient texts, whether they are now understood by others or not, or represent lost teachings that have since fallen into disuse, that could very well be. But he's saying that there once were these great saints, and they wrote these things down in their scriptures, and they're there to be found. They're there to be noticed. This is from a white paper uh, sent to me by Dial Bog, the group in Agra, one of the groups in Agra. It's called Radhaswami White Paper on the Religion of Sants and Radhaswami Faith. The entry for Sant Tulsi Sahib, the 19th century saint of Hathras, who is a major figure in the Sant tradition. The teachings of all saints are essentially the same. They speak of the kingdom of heaven which is within. They show the path and impart instructions to attain it. They do not claim to teach something new or different from what other saints have taught in the past. Tulsi Sahib declared that he was giving the same teachings as those of Kabir Sahib, Nanak Sahib, Dadu Sahib, and other saints. Tulsi Sahib for the first time used the expression Santmat, or teachings of saints, or path of the masters, to stress the basic unity of the teachings of all saints. Unquote passage from this Radhaswami white paper on the religion of Sants and the Radhaswami faith. While the title of Santmat, translated as Teachings of the Saints, was not coined until the late 19th century by Tulsi Sahib, the philosophical mindset was indeed prevalent for many centuries. That's a quote from Andrea Diem Lane. Andrea Diem Lane, from her book Lions in the Punjab, an introduction to the Sikh religion, from a chapter titled The Sant, Sant, uh, the, the Sant Sikh Connection. It's a book called Lions in the Punjab, from a chapter called The Sikh Sant Tradition. David Christopher Lane, in his book the Radhaswami Tradition, a critical history of guru successorship. One thing that all factions agree upon is that Tulsi Sahib consolidated the teachings of Narguna Bhakti, which means devotion to the formless God, expounded the path of Surat Shabd Yoga, which means inner light and sound meditation, and was largely responsible for the popular usage of the term Santmat, his teachings are embodied in his great compositions Gat Ramayan, Ratan Sagar, and Shabdavali. David Lane, Radhaswami Tradition, the Radhaswami Tradition published by Garland Publishing, 1992. Shabdavali is a collection of hymns of Tulsi Sahib. Ratan 
Sagar is another collection of his wisdom, another spiritual classic, and of course, Gat Ramayana or Gat Ramayana is a great epic uh, featuring the teachings of Tulsi Sahib too, where he is basically saying there are all of these saints in the past of India, and they're all part of one family, one tradition of spirituality, a kind of school of spirituality, and he gave it a name for the first time, a more official-sounding name. And he called that name Santmat, which means the path of the masters. These great saints of the past, Guru Nanak, the Sikh Gurus, Kabir, Dharmdas, Darya Sahib, Surdas, Mirabai, all of these great, uh, this whole galaxy of great saints and sages of the East. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio, part one this week by program the beginning of a series of programs exploring the origin of Santmat, the path of the masters. Stay tuned for more after these messages. Spiritual Awakening Radio comes courtesy of Paul Alexander John, a Maine-based musician who plays Indian classical ragas. The Bansuri flute is his instrument of choice, bamboo flute, and he has a friend who plays tablas, license-free, okay-to-use music donated from the studios of Paul Alexander John to Spiritual Awakening Radio. He's actually Armenian not from India. How he got into doing Indian classical music, I do not know. I guess I'll have to have him on as a guest and ask him. Very wonderful music from Paul Alexander John. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio this week, exploring the origins of the Sant tradition of India, the path of the masters, the masters of the East. And it's based on many years of research, which was... uh, put in written form recently and published in Sach Khan, the journal for Radhaswami Studies, a very academic kind of publication, lots of footnotes. And I also have it on my blog. You can receive a free copy of it, if you like, as a PDF file. Just email, email me and I'll send it to you. My address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. I can send you a copy of my article, my research into the origins of the Sant tradition of India. What is the Sant tradition? What are some of the key beliefs? Well, I have in front of me several things that define the goals of the Sant tradition, the path of the masters, the masters of the East. One, a belief in living teachers, living masters, living teachers with living students, relying on old scriptures is not enough. A living guide is required. Two, a cosmology of several heavens, inner regions, also called higher planes or levels or spheres. Not just one heaven, but many heavens, several different heavens. Three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now during this present life. Heavens not just for dead people. A present tense kingdom of God is available to us. A present tense kingdom 
of God is available to souls right now. Not a spirituality postponed till some magical date on a calendar or hypothesized future age. Heaven is so close that we can close our eyes and meditate within and experience it right now, here and now. For there is an initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens by a living teacher imparting to their students the meditation techniques and sacred names required for this journey. 5. Visionary and auditory mysticism is part of the meditation practice, inner light and sound, transcendental spiritual seeing and hearing, spiritual eyes or the third eye, spiritual hearing, the third ear, Descriptions of souls traveling within through various inner regions are to be found in this approach to meditation, which has been described as a kind of conscious near-death experience. We're trying to get there from here by way of a contemplative meditation practice. The Sant tradition, point number six, has an ethical code of nonviolence in thought, word, and deed. The Eastern term for this is ahimsa. The Western term is golden rule. And this ethical foundation includes a nonviolent vegan or vegetarian diet. And seven, the goal of the teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God. It is a God-based form of meditation, and that's part of the path. The theological term is Narguna Bhakti, devotion to the formless God. Now, some in the West have tried to separate the vegetarianism out and the ethics out and the God part out and tried to create a kind of New Age science of -of out-of-body travel, which sounds very astral, very ghostly. It's technically part of the tradition, but masters say that when you love the divine, your mantras work better, you are more focused, you are more within, and that bhakti, or love and devotion, is required in order to ascend to the highest levels, the highest of heavens. So one cannot really divorce ethics from spirituality and meditation from ethics and spirituality and devotion. You can't really chop these things up into separate things. It's all intended to work together synergistically, holistically. The goal of the teachings And meditation practice is experiencing union with God. Narguna Bhakti. Other principles of the Sant tradition. God is love, the ocean of love and compassion. God is real. All of the world scriptures teach about the same manifestation of God as mystical light and sound. I have an article called The Yoga of Sound, which uh, on my own I've researched and found many passages in world scriptures. In the Native American tradition, the music, the heavenly music, has been called Song of the Creator and Song of Creation. It's been called Tao, Shabda, Sharosha, Audible Life Stream, the Holy Stream of Sound. In in all of the world religions, uh, I have indeed on my own discovered uh, what other books have not recorded. You know, there are some books that do delve into this subject as well the comparative mysticism aspect. And on my own, I found references to divine light and sound and the ascension of the soul through uh, in soul travel through various heavenly realms. I found it in Gnostic texts, 
uh, Essene, you know, Dead Sea Scroll type material, Mandaean scriptures of Iraq, many, many world scriptures. Sufis, Sants, Kabbalists, all of the great mystics of the world describe the same basic uh, inner landscape of heavenly regions, lights and sounds. Another point, our soul's true identity is a big factor. Our true identity is soul, the self. Soul is part of God and therefore is like God, pure love. Souls have been described as drops from the same divine ocean. We are all also uh, described as rays of the, of the sun. We are all particles, we're drops, we are waves of the supreme being, whatever metaphor you prefer. Drops from the divine ocean, I think, is my favorite. During this human existence, we have an opportunity to experience God. One of the major points of difference between mystics and conventional religion, mystics say heaven is now. You know, if it's so wonderful, why wait and focus on a meditation practice to experience heavenly realms now? Stay tuned for more Spiritual Awakening Radio after these messages. This week on Spiritual Awakening Radio, the origins of Santmat, the masters of the East, the masters of India. This is a passage from the book The Sants, published by Mortalal Banarsadas Books of Delhi, India. Great textbook. Uh, the Sants is an excellent textbook with uh, several authors contributing to it about Sants and Sufis, newer Sants, Radha Swamis, Kabir, Panthis, Darya, Panthis, all of these groups uh, and their history going back a number of centuries in India. It says, for all the religious traditions of India, the 19th century was an age of rationalistic reform during which the attempt was made to systematize beliefs and make practices consistent with doctrines. Tulsi Sahib of Hathras was at once heir to certain esoteric tendencies in later Sant tradition and a precursor of the new spirit. Stressing the unity of the saints, he taught what is believed to be the common core doctrines of the Sants or Santmat and tried to reverse the spread of Sarguna beliefs and practices among the followers of the Narguna Panthis, and that would be uh, Dadu Panth, Kabir Panth, Darya Panth. Heavily indebted, indebted to him was Shiv Dayal Singh, founder of the modern Radhaswami movement. And this passage comes from Andrea Diem Lane, this time from another book called The Gnostic Mystery a connection between ancient and modern mysticism, published by Mount San Antonio College Press, Walnut, California, 1992. Tulsi Sahib, a saint of Hathras from the 19th century, recognized that the saints or saints drew upon the teachings of other saint figures as spiritual resources. Pointing out the common spiritual roots 
He identified this movement as a coherent religious tradition, which he called Sant Mat, simply meaning Sant Faith. That book, The Gnostic Mystery uh, by Andrea D.M. Lane, by the way, is a tremendous book, a great resource on Gnosticism to ancient Gnostics, as in the Nag Hammadi texts of Egypt. Uh, comparing the two, a modern Sant tradition with ancient Gnostic tradition, both were vegetarian, both had a kind of out-of-body uh, type meditation practice, very much like an ND, inducing an NDE through meditation. A lot of parallels between the two, and those are all uh, delved into in detail in her book, The Gnostic Mystery, which you can get online. Actually, I have a link to it at my library page. Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, in his Gat Ramayan, says, The principles and tenets of Sant Mat are one and the same, only there is a difference in terminology. Since these same principles have been stated using different names, you become confused and do not understand them. Sat Sahib, that is, Sat Purush, or God, has been described as Sat Nam and Sar Shabd, or True Sound, and it's been called Anam, or Anami, the nameless. The name Nargun has been given to the Lord, or the formless, the formless Lord. Uh, and it is the mind which has been called Ram. What Kabir said has been said by other saints too. Kabir explained Sant Mat in his own way, other saints in other ways. The religion of those who have gained access within is one and the same. Those who lack understanding adhere to dogmas and blind beliefs. Those who have spoken on the basis of inner experiences have sung of the same path for reaching the Supreme Lord. Listen, O Pul Das, the disciple he was talking to in this particular dialogue, I have given out the same true secrets which saints like Kabir, Dadu, Ravi Das, Darya Sahib, Guru Nanak, Surdas, Nabaji, and Mirbai have spoken of. They too have composed similar hymns describing the bliss of the spiritual region whose glory I have also sung, blessed by the grace and the dust of the holy feet of Sants. A passage from Tulsi Sahib's great 19th century spiritual classic known as the Ghat Brahmayan. Translated by S. D. Maheshwari of Agra. That's a great book. Just about the only one in the English language, in fact. There's only like a couple of books in English uh, delving into the spiritual poetry or psalms of Tulsi Sahib of Hathras. Vedic Dharma versus the way of the saints. I've gotten to know many in the Tulsi Sahib branch of the Sant tradition for over a decade now. This includes the followers of Maharishi Mehi and his spiritual successors. And they have been in the context of Hinduism, what Pythagoreans, Sufis, Gnostics, Kabbalists, uh, Jewish mystics, and Christian mystics have often been in relation to their respective traditions. Focusing on the esoteric teachings and passages contained in their scriptures and the contemplative traditions of meditation practice, 
they find mystic jewels or gold embedded in the mud of traditions. With many saints of India, this includes references to teachings about a formless state, like nirvana, or formless god, given the name Anami Purush, the nameless one, or Radhaswami, or other names. A yoga of inner light and sound. Some in the West know about the Nada Bindu Panishad and Hatha Yoga Pradipika, with their references to inner sound meditation, but there are many, many other texts as well for a comprehensive exploration of all of these mystical elements present in scores of Hindu scriptures. See the book Satsang Yoga, Volume 1, by Maharishi Mehi Paramhans. And I actually have a link I can send you to an article about Maharishi Mehi's research into Hinduism called Maharishi Mehi, the Bridge Between Hindu Scriptures and Santmat. I can send that uh, to anyone uh, that requests it. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. So nothing new under the sun. All of these teachings uh, of the modern day all find their roots in Sanskrit and ancient texts of Hinduism. It's all been said and done before. And uh, those who value these teachings uh, say and do again in the modern world and meditate. They sit themselves down and meditate and have their own direct experiences. Stay tuned for more Spiritual Awakening Radio after these messages. Welcome back to Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean with you every week at this time, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, meditation, mysticism, nonviolence in thought, word, and deed, including in the area of diet, as in vegetarian or vegan diet, ahimsa values, values of peace. What would Mahavira do, the founder of Jainism, a great ethical religion of the East. What would Mahavira do is a great uh, question to ask whenever you have any doubt about whether seeing a certain movie or a certain uh, listening to a certain piece of music or a certain uh, line of, uh, you know, certain line of reasoning or activity. What would Mahavira do? Kill the spider? Step on it? Or catch it and let it go outside, you know? If you have that option, that's a good option. That's what I usually do, actually, is catch and release insects instead of kill them uh, if at all possible. So education for a, a more peaceful planet uh, begins at home. What do you do with a spider, you know, or other insect? Do you try and catch it and let it go outside with no killing involved? No kill, like that episode of Star Trek. No kill. Uh, or do you, do you step on it? Uh, Nonviolence in thought, word, and deed. Education for a more peaceful planet. My website is at this address, spiritualawakeningradio.com. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Just to summarize uh, the program this week, the origins of Santmat, long before Tulsi Sahib, long before the Radhaswami movement of India, Long before Kabir and his wonderful poetry, 
long before Mirabai and her beautiful bhakti or devotional hymns. Long before Garaknath and the Nath yogis, there were references in ancient India to saints or sages referred to as saints in some Vaishnava texts and date back to uh, ancient times, the time of uh, Upanishads, Rishi sages who authored certain Upanishads, and there are references to Krishna knowing saints in ancient times. All of the teachings have Sanskrit root words, so this really all dates back. Spiritual, spiritual teachings, forms of yoga, meditation practice, all date back to ancient India. Nothing new under the sun. It's just with each generation, the language is updated in order to communicate in the language of the day with the contemporary uh, population of spiritual seekers, students or devotees and so as it ho- as it always has been it's always been this way uh, the term Sant-Mat was coined by uh, Tulsi Sahib during the 19th century to be a name for a certain kind of spiritual path based in India with a meditation practice known as inner light and sound meditation which is almost like trying to induce a conscious near-death experience by way of meditation, or it can seem very visionary or out-of-body, making it very similar in many ways to what the Gnostics were up to in the Middle East, and especially Egypt 2,000 years ago, those who uh, composed and copied the books of the Nag Hammadi Library, or Gnostic Gospels. But it's also true of uh, masters of the name in Judaism, the tradition known as Kabbalah, and it's certainly true of the Sufis. They, too, have had a similar uh, approach to meditation practice and a belief in the seven heavens and that the soul is to ascend through the seven heavens on its way back home again. So these are all cousin schools of spirituality, essentially. I thought I would wrap things up by sharing a poem of Tulsi Sahib. And I just give this the name, Come Sail Away. Uh, I believe the title is actually in Hindi for this. And this is to be found in the Ghat Ramayan of Tulsi Sahib of Hathras. Whose soul is attached to the word, revels ever in cosmic flight? Whose soul is attached to the word, revels ever in cosmic flight? Revels ever in cosmic flight. And realizing the Supreme Lord plays with him. The mystery of the inaccessible and the secret of the scriptures he unravels. He reaches his home within and its essence he comes to know. In the lotus feet of the beloved Lord, he sees his true destination. The happily married woman rejoices with her spouse every moment, O Tulsi, for her soul is attached to the word and revels ever in cosmic flight. This poem of Tulsi Sahib describes the inverted well. If you stand at the bottom of the well, a well, a dry well, and you look up, it has this 
appearance of a luminous tunnel. There is this tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel, there's light at the end of the tunnel, the bright light. And that's, of course, the sky, the sun, what's going on up there on the surface when you're standing at the bottom of a, of, of a well. And this image of this tunnel and bright light at the end of it is used in this poem by Tulsi Sahib. I beheld in the firmament an inverted well and was filled with the resplendence of the light within. In the resplendence of brilliant light I had a glimpse within the flame. All was suffused with brightness, and I had a peep into myself. The path leading to the shores of the Lake of Nectar was revealed to me. Imagine standing at the bottom of a dry well looking up. You have this tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel is bright light. And that is uh, an image which many report who have had near-death experiences. But you know, it's been reported for centuries by people in the mystic traditions of the world. In places like India, and of course the Middle East, the Gnostic scriptures, the teachings of the Sants and Sufis, all describe that same kind of vision as a result of contemplative meditation practice. Thanks for joining me today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Thank you.